0: Good morning, Midtown. It's so good to see you this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name's Krista, and I'm just so thankful to gather with you on this holiday weekend. Um, As Justin said earlier this morning, our church is built on this idea of practicing the way of Jesus together here in Austin. And so what we do is about every four months, we stop and we focus on a practice or a teaching of Jesus and we learn about it and we help each other build it into our lives because life with Jesus is life. This whole practicing the way of Jesus, it's the it's way of living that leads us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then do what Jesus did. And so we're going to continue this morning in our summer practice, which is the practice of Sabbath. And my hope is that today what you will learn is that Sabbath is not this, you know, begrudging religious duty, but it's a life-giving, delight-filled day. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What I know, though, is with delight, delight sometimes feels just out of reach, I don't know if that resonates with you or not. Um, I was reminded of this just recently. One of my children, who will not be named, um, had a rather rough season. Life felt very hard and out of control. And they were having a particularly bad day and sharing about that day. And I was listening and feeling them on it. And then afterwards, I said, you know, at least you got a really good time with a friend, to which they responded with a story about how that friend left them and went to go hang out with someone else. And then a few minutes later, I responded with, but at least it was a beautiful day, to which the response was, but it's so hot. And if I had known it was going to be so hot, I would have worn shorts. And this conversation would have been so frustrating, right, had it not been so relatable, Cause I don't know about you. I consider myself a glass half full personality, but I have had so many seasons in life where the friend has left or the expectation hasn't been met. And it's been so hard to see the good that's right there and around me. And so sometimes delight feels just a little out of reach. Pastor Tim Keller, I don't know if y'all have heard of him or not. I not think maybe the guy who's usually up here talks about him. But anyway, Pastor Tim Keller once said, Because the world is full of ugly things, we need the Sabbath to feed our soul with beauty. That's so true. This world is full of ugliness. It's full of violence and um, injustice and poverty, but it's also full of beauty. Jesus said, or in Genesis, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And that Hebrew word translated as good can also be translated as beautiful. But all too often, the goodness and the beauty of this world get completely overshadowed by the brokenness that we see and we feel every single day. Of course, this is significantly exacerbated just by this digital age that we live in. The 24-7 news cycle full of rage and fear and worst-case scenarios can kind of guide us to focus on the brokenness. And then we got to hear a powerful story of social media this morning and how God is using it. But far too often, at least here in the U.S., social media has this subtle way of creating and curating these beautiful days in someone's life that creates a space for us where comparison truly is the thief of joy. And then we can tend to focus on what other people have and we don't. So that's what we're fighting up against right now. Jesus said himself, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Trouble and with it sorrow are inevitable in life, but sorrow's not the whole story to our human experience. Because Jesus also said, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Another translation says, That your joy may overflow. You know that feeling of such great joy? that it just has to overflow and in singing or dancing or round of applause, right? Like that overflow feeling of joy. When I think of that feeling, the quickest image that comes into my ma- my mind is my son camp at 2. And camp box at 2 was being potty trained, which real quick, anyone in the room that's in the potty training phase, bless you. I am glad you're here this morning. <laughs> It is not for the faint of heart. And potty training camp at two was very, very hard. And we were in the thick of it. And so we um, decided he needs he needs some good motivation. And so camp loved Toy Story. He had a Woody, and all he wanted was Buzz Lightyear. And so we said, okay, if you can go X amount of days without having an accident, we will go to Target, and we will buy you Buzz Lightyear. And, y'all, it worked. That kid... <laughs> did not have an accident for X amount of days, and it came time for that day, that Target day. And he woke up with a huge smile on his face. We went to Target, and he literally is skipping through Target to the aisle where he already knows Buzz Lightyear is at. And he goes, and he grabs Buzz Lightyear off the shelf, and he turns, and he's smiling at us, skipping in place, and then pees all over aisle nine. (laughs) Just his joy could not be contained. And well, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he's wishing full joy to overflow on you. That, that complete fullness of joy is what Jesus wills for you as his apprentice. Um, the problem is, is that sorrow is inevitable in life, but joy is not. We have to choose joy Again and again and again, Scripture says that the word joy is it's both a noun and a verb. When we translate that word into English, it's, we translate it as rejoice, but it literally means to joy. And if you did a study on the theology of the word joy, you would discover that joy is a feeling, a character trait, and a discipline. Joy is a feeling. I've heard people say that happiness and joy are not the same thing. That happiness is a feeling tied to circumstances and joy is something that goes beyond your circumstances. But if you actually do a word study in scripture, what you find out is that joy and happiness are used interchangeably. And so while joy is something that God can give us that gives us that goes far beyond our circumstances, it's also a feeling that we have When all is as it should be, that feeling in your body when all is right, that is joy as well. But joy is also a character trait. It's not just a feeling that comes and goes, but it's literally who we become when we follow Jesus. In Galatians 5, when it's listing the fruit of the Spirit, joy is the second one right behind love. And then in classical language, joy is a virtue, like wisdom or courage or fortitude. And so it should be developed as such, which is why joy is also a discipline. There are times when joy is easy. It's that natural emotional response to the circumstances in your life. But there are also times when joy is a sheer act of obedience. Obedience to Jesus saying, I'm gonna point my heart towards the good. That's joy too. Richard Foster called this the discipline of celebration. And this is what he had to say. The decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline, It's not something that falls on our heads. It is a result of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. Sabbath is a discipline of celebration. It's a delivery mechanism of joy. And it is the very thing that makes us full of joy like our God. In this teaching series we're talking about the four movements of Sabbath, which are stop, rest, delight, and worship. The first two, stop and rest, which we've already talked about, are really more about what we don't do. But this the last two are about things that we actively do. So the stop and rest clearly we're, we're stopping what we typically do during the week we're having rest which means we're not doing other things that would, you know, impinge on our rest, but then the last two delight and worship, delight are things that we're actively doing to bring delight, we're actively doing to worship. Um delight is a key aspect to Sabbath because it was a part of the very first Sabbath. So let me show you what I mean by that. Looking at Genesis 1 and 2, it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested, Sabbathed, from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, remember that, and he made it holy, because on it he rested, Sabbathed, from all the work. Of creating that he had done. We've talked about how that that word that we are translating as rested is Shabbat in Hebrew. And while it literally means to, to stop or to rest, it carries with it this connotation that God delighted in his work. So it's not the meaning of God was so exhausted and burned out from all of creation that he needed a break. It's more of that feeling where you've worked endlessly in the yard, cleaning it up, making it beautiful, and then you go in and you shower, and then you come back out and sit on the porch and enjoy the beauty that was created. Or maybe your team at work was working on a project for months and months, and it finally wrapped up, and you go and celebrate as a team. That is Sabbath delight. That's the type of delight that God had here. Um, We also notice that God blessed the Sabbath day, right? And that word blessed can also be translated as to make happy. Sabbath is a happy day, Not not just blessed. It's also happy. And what we see here is that God created Sabbath so that we could delight in his world, so we're going to delight in His world by letting our minds focus on what is good in the world to curate a view of the world with specific attention to the good and the right and the beautiful. What we see in Psalm 65 is the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich, abundant, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. Sabbath is also a time to delight in your life in God's world. It's so easy for us to forget about the good gifts that God has given us. Neuroscientists actually tell us that our minds are wired to focus more on the negative than the positive at a rate of something like 14 to 1. And so having this dedicated day where we focus on the good things in our life, it is so healthy. We see in Psalm Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wondrous deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. And finally, we're to delight in God himself. Now, here's what I know. I know that many of us have not learned how to actually delight in God. Believe in him, yes. Fear him, obey him, maybe. But to delight in God? This is something that I have been growing in so much over the last few years, specifically through time in prayer that's been connected to Sabbath and silence. And in this time, It's been a chance for me to be able to focus on just how incredibly good God is, to recognize and remember that I have access to him through Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the coming of the Spirit. And that that allows me to recognize that as I draw near to God, I am drawing near to all my heart aches for, full delight. That's who he is. And when we say, when we experience that, we can say along with Isaiah, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Dan Allen during his book on Sabbath says this, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter into delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. And then theologian Marva Dawn from her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, says this, observing the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to be as careful as we can to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day, especially set apart for beauty, all the rest of life, is made more beautiful. Okay, are you getting the picture now? It's not this dreary religious duty. It's intended to be this life-giving day of delight. But how do we do this? I'm gonna be honest, over the last uh, couple of weeks, sitting in this series, exactly where you are, and hearing about Sabbath, I have felt a lot of tension. I felt a lot of tension because I I know many of you in the seasons of life that you're in, and I resonate with that. I feel tension because I think back to a season of my life where I would have been sitting where you are and hearing messages about Sabbath, and I would have thought, that's so great for you, (laughs) that you're able to take a whole day and just delight, but you obviously don't understand my plate. You obviously don't understand how much I have on my plate with young kids. I can't even imagine Sabbathing with kids. Like, I don't see that in the Bible. I can see a time in my life where I could have thought, I am so crazy behind at work. To take a day to stop and delight, I'm just going to fall farther behind. People are going to get upset with me. I, I don't have the luxury of a Sabbath. I also think of a softer time in my life where I may have been like, okay, I love the idea. I can imagine carving out a few hours um, most weeks, but a whole day, surely that's for once the kids leave the house and I retire, right? It'll be easier to do it then. I understand those tensions. The concept, the idea, the gift of Sabbath that God's given us. It goes against culture and it goes against even the hardwiring in our brain. It's so much easier to go with the flow. So, I want to give you just a few pointers, a few tips that might help you as you're trying to develop this practice in your life. The first is it's going to require you to slow down. Hurry and joy are incompatible. Delight demands us to slow down, to be able to focus on the good that's in our life. And this is really hard for me. I am a chronic overcommitter and a chronic people pleaser, which leads to a very full calendar, right? It's really hard for me to slow down. By God's grace, he's been teaching me how to walk at a slower pace. I had a mentor once tell me that every yes we say comes with a no to something else. And we don't think about that as intentionally as we should. And so we have to be so thoughtful about the yeses that we give. We have to slow down. The second thing is it's going to require you to put boundaries around your day. It's going to require you to think through what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And one practical way you could do that is by creating a "I will list and I will not list for Sabbath. I'll give you a few of mine. my um, I, I will list. I will rest. I will enjoy time with my family. I will enjoy time with close friends. I will celebrate. I will adventure. I will eat really good food. I will go outside on my I will not list. It's things like I will not go to something out of obligation. Oh, that's hard. I will not check my email. That might be harder. I will not clean. And unless I'm feeling particularly inspired, I will not cook. So. (laughs) Those are my will not list. And so you're going to be creating your own I will and I will not, and it will help guide what you say yes to on that day and what you say no to. I'll say sometimes it can feel just a little bit confusing, like what, I mean, what technically fits well on a Sabbath? And so I just encourage you to run things through the grid of stop, rest, delight, and worship. Is it Are you stopping what you typically do in your work week is it providing rest or delight or drawing you closer to God? Think of those things. If you are a teacher who loves to garden, garden your heart out on Sabbath. But if you're a landscaper, maybe find another day. Something that you do, do for work. These rules are not to be burdens but boundaries. Just these guardrails to protect you from anything that would steal delight. Finally, and maybe most importantly, it's going to require you to give yourself to joy. Rabbi Reb Zalman recommends you begin the Sabbath by saying this, today, I'm going to pamper my soul. Today, I'm going to pamper my soul. I love that. Psychologists have this term when you save a bunch of your favorite things for one experience. So like think your birthday or anniversary or vacation, and they call it pleasure stacking. Don't you love that? Pleasure stacking. It's where you have multiple things that bring delight in your life all in one day, all in one experience. And Sabbath is a time for pleasure stacking, It's a time to pleasure stack while acknowledging every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down to us from the Father of the heavenly lights. Maybe there are special foods that you want to reserve to eat on Sabbath. Maybe it's the day you always have dessert. Maybe it's the day that you want to gather with your closest friends or take a bubble bath in the middle of the day. (laughs) Maybe Sabbath is the day that you have a special bin of toys for your kids that they only get on Sabbath so that they're entertained and you can sit over here and read a book in peace. Whatever those things are, make them things that bring delight, that pamper your soul. There are all sorts of traditional Sabbath activities, things that you can consider, that you can think about adding into your Sabbath. Feasting is by far the most popular one, and for good reason. We love to eat community is another we want to celebrate with the people that we love gratitude we focus on what we have and not on what we need or lack or want cultivating a heart that's grateful for what we have another one is to play dan allender in his book on sabbath makes a really strong case for sabbath as a day of play or maybe it's nature, whether you're sitting on your porch, going on a hike, whatever you're doing outside, enjoying nature. There's so many more things art, poetry, music, live music, wineries, the sunrise or sunset, whatever it is. Enjoy some of these things during Sabbath. One of the best ways to cultivate Sabbath or introduce into your Sabbath rhythm is the Sabbath meal. I'm going to be really honest. Jake and I have been on a journey of Sabbath for at least a couple of years now. And currently, we're not even able to Sabbath on the same day, which is not ideal. Don't recommend. One star. Um, But we're not even able to Sabbath on the same day, and we are working towards a vision of what we want Sabbath to be for our family. But right now, the next thing that we want to implement is a Sabbath meal, I've known so many people that have done Sabbath meals before. I've heard of them and it never felt very compelling to me until I heard about John Mark Comer and his family's Sabbath meal. And it just resonated so deeply and painted such a great picture for me. So I thought I would share what his family does since our family hasn't implemented it yet. And the Comer household on Friday night, you'll see their Sabbath meal. That's when they have their Sabbath meal. And they gather with their family and about half a dozen of their closest friends. And they sit down to start Sabbath together, to have that Sabbath meal to kick off their Sabbath all together. And then when they sit at the table, they light candles, they pour wine, they spend some time encouraging one another around the table. They read a psalm, they pray, ask God to bring rest and then they feast, and they feast on foods that are decadent, that they don't have throughout the week. They save them for the Sabbath meal, and they linger, and they laugh, and they tell stories, and they talk about things they're grateful for, and it's no uh, surprise that he says that that four to five hour Sabbath meal experience is their favorite part of the week. Everyone looks forward to it. A Sabbath meal is a great way to begin Sabbath, to gather with those that you love and enjoy the goodness that God has given. Sabbath is a day for delight, a day to enjoy God, his creation, and all that he's given you. But here's the deal. I also want to recognize Sabbath doesn't always come in good, easy seasons of life. Sabbath comes sometimes when life is full of a lot of sadness. Or sometimes it comes that it's after a week that you've been so overworked that by the time you get to Sabbath, you're exhausted and incapable of just stepping right into delight. You're so worn out. It also can be the case where you have been running away from what you're feeling all week long, and then Sabbath comes, and you're finally still long enough that all of those feelings catch up, and you feel them all at once. You can call this the Sabbath sadness. And the Sabbath sadness is not something to avoid, it's not something to, you know, cause you to think that Sabbath isn't working because you're not feeling delight, it's gonna come, and it's okay. What I'm learning to do when the Sabbath sadness comes is to let it wash over me like a wave. Jesus' intent for us isn't then when pain comes that we avoid it or we push it down or we bypass it or get stuck, but that we go through it. And in time, we come out on the other side, just like that rhythm that he set with death and resurrection. Delight is not denying pain. It's determination to move through the pain courageously, honestly, patiently, and then into joy. This is one of the biggest blessings of observing the Sabbath on every seventh day. It creates that rhythm that's a God-given rhythm where it comes at the end of a good week. It comes at the end of a lousy week, comes at the end of summer, at the end of winter. At the end of the week, you got magically all your to-do list done. At the end of the week where you are so far behind the end of a week where life feels full and like everything's going your way, and at the end of the week where it feels like everything's falling apart, it comes every seventh day reminding us that it's okay if we're not okay. It's in those seasons that our prayers feel unanswered, our dreams are seemingly over, when we feel God's absence more than his presence, that Sabbath comes with a sense of peace and of trusting God despite our circumstances, not because of them, teaching us to delight and even be happy in all seasons of our life. Or like Jesus said, or Paul said, hmm, Paul, not Jesus, Rejoice in the Lord always. This is the invitation of Jesus to come and to find rest for your souls, to follow that 6 and one rhythm of work and rest, to enjoy God's good gifts and to delight in the giver of those gifts. And as you practice the Sabbath, I believe God's promise for you the prophet Isaiah will become your lived experience. It says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy, and the Lord. Each week in our Sabbath guide, we have a couple of practices for you to implement, to help you as you're building this into the rhythm of your life. And if you've been following the guide, this week's two practices are pretty rad, if I could say so myself. The first one is to plan a Sabbath meal. Plan a Sabbath meal. Set a date on the calendar, whether it's just you and your family, whether you gather friends. Have a Sabbath meal. Practice that. The second is to pleasure stack. During at least a few hours in your week, block off some time as you're practicing Sabbath and pleasure stack. Think of a few different things that bring great delight and joy that you can do all during that time, I'll be praying for you. I really will. As you're trying to implement this practice into your life, I know far too well all of the tensions that fight against it. But Sabbath is a life giving day that God has given you in a regular rhythm to remind you that you can trust him, that he is good, and that he is a giver of great delight.